The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, you heard me talk about them last week. If there's something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. Get 10% off your first month by going to betterhelp.com forward slash brain. Use the promo code brain during checkout to apply the discount. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani and I'm here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about on the show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. All right, something interesting happens when you put yourself out there uh, to present something to someone or talk about something that you are put on the spot to talk about. And that is you get to access something deeper inside your mind, something that isn't necessarily uh, accessible. It is, but it's harder to access when you are conscious or consciously aware and you're trying to access it. In other words, when you are asked to talk about something that maybe you've learned about or maybe you've been studying for years, but you aren't prepared, you actually get to find out how much you actually know. (laughs) You actually get to find out what wisdom is in there, what you've gained over the years, what you've learned. And the surprising thing about that is that I've learned that you always know more than you think you know. Almost always. It's, it's shocking sometimes because if I'm ever put on the spot, which happens a lot when I go on other podcasts, when I'm interviewed somewhere else, uh, they'll throw me questions that I wasn't prepared for. And I got to tell you, those are my favorite types of questions. Those are the best types of questions. Something that I've not really thought about worded in a way that they've worded it on a subject matter that maybe I'm not familiar with or not that familiar with. And, um, all of these mysterious variables that can show up when someone puts you on the spot, but this is a good thing. This is really good because you get to test your knowledge. You get to help yourself understand where you are with that particular topic, uh, where you are in your learning and what else you need to learn. Like one of the most important things I learned on this show is that when I started teaching what I knew and know and apply in my own life, it came out differently. It came out not 
always as I intended. And what I mean by that is that sometimes you think you know something so well, but when you go to teach it, it's different. Because now you have to teach something that is basically imprinted in you, something that you do maybe over and over again. But teaching someone else is a whole new skill set. At least it's an extension of the skills that you have that help you understand the topic that you're teaching even more. So a lot of this is kind of common sense and, you know, you become a better student when you are a teacher of the subject that you're talking about. I think that's pretty common sense. Maybe everyone knows that, but maybe not. But the reason I'm saying that is I like to do that with emails sometimes. Like I get these messages or emails from people that have challenges and then I like to come on the air and address those challenges right away. I've done this on other shows. I've done this maybe once on this show. Uh, but what it does is it helps me access knowledge that I didn't necessarily know was there. <laughs> so it sounds a little strange and maybe it sounds like I'm totally unprepared. Uh, I am. <laughs> I mean, I am unprepared. I, I'm doing this on purpose because I'm, I want you to know that when you do this, you access your knowledge. And you may not be a presenter. You may not go on stage. You may not go in front of a group and train. Uh, but I bet you somewhere in your life, you have to teach someone something. And when you do, you get to learn what you know. And the great part about that is if you can stay open-minded about what you know so that when you're teaching it, you will learn more. And if you decide that what you're teaching, you may not know enough of, teaching it helps you learn it. Te teaching it helps you get into a different type of learning mode. And when you're in that learning mode, you become smarter, in my opinion. I think you become smarter when you are teaching and also open-minded so that you are willing to learn something new as you teach it. Now, what's interesting about all this to me, it may not be interesting to you, but when I think about this stuff, when I uh, hear myself on the show, and if I ever listen to my podcast because I'm doing some sort of editing or I'm curious about what I said uh, three years ago about a subject matter, I'll listen to myself and I'll think, where did that come from? How did that get there? I can't believe I said that. Not that I'm uber impressed about what I said. It just, I, I don't remember saying that. I don't remember having that in my head. And listening to those times of the things that I said, and some of it sounds pretty good. Some of it sounds like good advice. And I even hear myself saying, hey, maybe I should take that advice now. Like I didn't implement it back then, but I said it. And this isn't one of those cases where do what I say, not as I do. I mean, I, I try to teach what I know because I do it myself, or at least I follow the same guidelines that I put out there. But sometimes something will come out of my mouth and then I'll hear it three years later. And I had never said anything like that before that. And I never said anything like that after that. And I think to myself, where did that come from? And so this isn't necessarily the topic of today's episode, but I want you to know there's more in there than you think is in there. And we have memories that come out through whatever means they come out. For example, getting triggered by something. You see a brown car on the road and it reminds you of your grandpa's brown station wagon when you sat in the back. And you may not have had that memory in you know, 30 years. Or you walk into someone's house and it's set up the same way your house was 10 years ago. And suddenly you remember who you were living with and what your pet's name was and the backyard, which you never thought of after you left. And all these memories come flooding back. And it's pretty interesting to think about because they're still in there. So these memories last for a long, long time. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in our brain. We have a supercomputer up there. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me that memories stick around. But what's interesting is that there are things in there, thoughts and memories and even old emotions that are connected to these memories that can still pop up and we may not expect it. And this is the same thing with knowledge because you could read an entire book, forget about that book or take an entire course and forget about that course. And then suddenly you're in a situation and you're pulling out knowledge that you didn't know you had. 
So I find this stuff fascinating. I don't know if you do, but I find it fascinating if you're ever put on the spot and you're asked to talk about a subject that maybe you know nothing about. Something might still come up. And I've noticed there's a difference in how we think when we're on the spot and how we think when we are on stage, how we think when we're presenting. There's a difference in how we do it. And I'm sure there's research. I haven't done it myself. But just my own experience, I can tell you, when somebody gives me a subject and I have to go in front of an audience and talk about that subject, suddenly things happen inside my mind that I would never have been able to prepare for, at least when listening to what came out of my mouth and listening to that later and wondering where that came from, knowing that I probably would not have said that if I had planned it. Because planning is a very conscious effort, whereas being on the spot is a very unconscious thing that happens. And so how does this all relate to you? Why do you care? I think the bottom line is that you will be able to come up with the resourceful information that you need if you're ever put on the spot. And what that means is if you deal with any kind of stress or nervousness or anxiety about being put on the spot, being uh, singled out, having that spotlight shine on you, and you're asked to say something about some sort of subject matter, it's most likely in there. You just have to have a little bit of faith that it's going to come out. That doesn't mean I'm 100% right about that. It doesn't mean if I ask you how to pilot the space shuttle, I think the majority of the people listening now probably wouldn't know how to do it. But if I asked you, what is the best way to read a book? I bet you have an answer. I bet you have some sort of answer. And if that doesn't work, it's going to be something that you've done before, that you've probably mastered in your own way, that you'll probably have something unique to share with someone. And when you're asked or put on the spot and you're walking around and you have any type of nervousness or anxiety or stress about being put on the spot about something, it's helpful to remember that you have a lot of information inside of you. You have a lot of data that you're carrying around. And if you remember that data, as long as you've been exposed to some part of it at one point, you most likely have something to say about it. Even if it's something simple or all you have is bits and pieces, it's amazing what the brain does when you're on the spot. And I mean on the spot. I mean the curtain opens and you didn't expect it to open and now there's a crowd of people there. I know that puts a lot of fear in some people that are listening right now. And then the announcer says, tell us about this. And you're surprised and you think, what am I going to say? Which is a conscious thought. But if you realize that when you start talking, things will start happening. That's when the magic happens. Again, this isn't 100%. That doesn't mean you'll know how to disarm a bomb or anything like that if you've never done it before. But what ends up happening is that you access the inner knowledge that's in there. And so hopefully you realize this. Hopefully this has happened to you before. It happened to me. It happened to me a couple times. And like I said, it happens to me on other shows when I'm interviewed because they throw questions at me that I don't know if I'll know. At the same time, I'm okay saying I don't know. I'm okay saying I really don't know the answer to that question. That's a good question. But one of the things that I do is I imagine myself going through it. I imagine myself doing the thing they're asking about. And what I mean by that is I try it on. I read the question or I hear the question and I imagine myself in that scenario right now. And that's a good way, at least with emotional stuff that I deal with, that's a good way to connect with where the person is or what the subject matter is about. If somebody asks me, well, what do you do when your partner cheats on you? What do you do when your mom is insulting you? What do you do when your sister or your brother is dominating and aggressive? And if I haven't had that experience, I put myself in that experience. Well, what would I do if my sister did that to me? What would I do if my mom was doing that? And what you'll find when you do this Again, this is more of the human psychology and human behavior and the type of communication that you can have with other people, basically relating to everyone. I try on that scenario and I imagine myself going through it and I go through all the feelings and thoughts and emotions I have. But I also remember 
that I have a set of values and standards that I live by in my life. And this can be very, very helpful for you if you have situations that you get in that make you uncomfortable is to imagine yourself going through them and experiencing it in your mind's eye as if it were real. And you know, I practice this with a lot of things in my life. I practiced this before my dad died. I practiced grieving. I imagined him dying and me getting the news and going through each and every step of the process of what I'd think, what I'd feel, what I'd do next. And as I went through that process, I felt it. It it was in real time and I kept feeling it and there was hurt and there was suffering. But what that did was help prepare me for when it really did happen. And it doesn't mean I'm just a cold fish when it happens. It just means I'm more mentally and emotionally prepared. And imagining what I'd feel like and what I'd go through when it happened helped me prepare. So when it did happen, uh, when I did get the news, I felt okay with it. I didn't want it to happen. I didn't want him to die, but I I was okay. I, I had prepared myself. I still had to go through the unexpected things. You know, when something's real, when something really happens, there are things that happen that you don't expect, that you didn't prepare for, that you didn't predict, and you got to deal with those as you go. But at least you're a little bit more prepared to deal with those things. And that's why I like this process of trying it on. And so this can be helpful. Any type of situation that you know you'll have to face, you face it in a way in your mind and just go through the whole scenario. And when you do, you learn something, you feel it, you get through it, and you're able to come out on the other side of it with something more than you had before. And when you have that, then maybe five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road, you're still prepared for it because you went through it at one time. And then when somebody asks you about it or when it really happens, you have a response that might be more helpful to you to get through it. Because sometimes things happen that just floor us. Sometimes things happen that we are totally unprepared for, and they're going to happen, but we're so shocked by it that there's nothing we could have done to prepare for it. So we do our best. I'm not saying you have to prepare by imagining every possible awful thing that could ever happen. That's kind of miserable thinking, but it can be helpful if you have major situations that you know will happen And instead of going into any denial about it, instead of hoping it never does happen, just go through the process in your mind to prepare yourself mentally and emotionally and give you some wisdom. It can be really helpful to get this, maybe what I'll call (laughs) pre-wisdom. Like you haven't really gotten the wisdom yet because the experience hasn't occurred, but maybe you can prime the wisdom inside you a little bit before it happens so that you are a little bit more wise when it does happen. And speaking of priming, what I want to do is take you into the next segment shortly and talk about a couple emails that I received. And what I'm going to do is try it on. And what that means is put myself in the person who wrote their situation, put myself in their challenge and put yourself in other people's challenges. This is how I solve a lot of problems in my life. When it comes to other people, I ask myself, what would I do? What would I do in that situation? And, you know, I have my own values and beliefs and standards, and I use those as my guide, as my gauge. So my way of doing things may not be somebody else's way of doing things, but when you listen to my show, this is kind of where I come from. I have a set of values, standards, and beliefs and history and experience that helps me make decisions today. And what I've done over the years is go by those standards, go by that criteria, um, make decisions by those standards and criteria so that I know that I'll end up on the path that is most within the integrity that I want to be in. And I want to keep my integrity. I want to keep my dignity. I want to continue on a path that helps me stay aligned with what I value most. So when I answer questions on the air, they may not necessarily apply to everyone but what, I, what I've noticed is that there's a general set of beliefs, set of standards, set of values that um, a lot of people share, at least the people that tune into a show like this. A lot of people share a lot of similar values. 
doesn't mean we all vote the same, doesn't mean we all believe the same things, but these core values that keep us going that uh, really say, and I'll probably just sum it up here and I might be wrong, but I'm going to sum it up to say this. Our core values really say, I am important, I matter, I care about myself, and of course I love others and I care about them as well, but I'm going to do my best to not let anyone break up the core of who I am. And it's hard to do that sometimes because we know people in our lives that are hell-bent on wanting to break up the core of who we are. And even if that's not their intention, uh, we feel like that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make us be someone that we aren't. And sometimes we do that. Sometimes we show up as someone that we aren't just to get through the moment, just to get through the time that we have to spend with them. And if you're in a situation where you're just trying to get through the moment, instead of accessing those core values, what's most important to you, then what ends up happening is that you honor other people's values over your own. And that's where a disintegration of self can happen. And if you do that over and over again, what do you end up with? Less you. And I don't want that. I know you don't. So it's important to consider that when you're making decisions when you're choosing certain behaviors in front of certain people, just to know that this will happen, this disintegration of self, if you choose not to honor those core values inside of you. It doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means you have to be aware of what's happening in you when you do it. So when we come back, we're going to read a couple emails and we're going to try it on. We're going to try on the situation. And I'm going to ask you, even though you can't really reply to me right now, but I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. You can Uh, try on their situation, what would you do? So let's go there after this. there's a really cool service that I want to share with you. It's called BetterHelp. And, uh, you know, when I was doing email coaching, the one thing that people really appreciated was it wasn't the anonymity. I think it was the security or the safety they felt being where they wanted to be. It wasn't in my office. It wasn't in person, but in a way it was in person. So they would send me a message and I would send them a message back. And a lot of problems could be resolved that way because you had time to digest and process and think about this stuff. Well, now comes BetterHelp, which is like 10 times better than what I was doing back then. Uh, Not only do they offer back and forth email coaching, well, it's actually not email coaching. They have a system. It's a really cool interface that you can see all the transactions. And it's a very secure place to write out your challenges. But they also offer audio and video calls as well, uh, really bringing the one-on-one experience to you with the safety and the sanctity of your own space. So this is one of the things I really love about this service. They help you work on anything from depression and stress and anxiety, uh, your self-esteem, grief, LGBT matters, family conflicts, anger, and a whole slew of things that, uh, of course, any therapist or licensed professional counselor would help you with. And because I vet every sponsor that comes our way, I signed up for the service. I am trying it out right now. I am working with a counselor and figuring out how the system works and learning what they do to help people like you maybe that might need guidance through challenges in your life. And of course, we all have challenges. I'm not impervious to the challenges of life either. Things come up. Emotional triggers happen. I might have an argument about something with my girlfriend and we have an open issue that we need to resolve. So I have this person that I reach out to. You know, they say all coaches need coaches, all leaders need leadership. And so I truly believe that all therapy, all counseling can be super helpful, especially when you're in your own stuff. It's really hard to see outside the stuff that you're in. So this is why I love that BetterHelp is there to help you. There's about 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states, but they are available worldwide. And like I said, they use four communication modes, text, phone, and video. I don't think I mentioned chat, chat as well. Uh, So you can do it on your phone while you're out and about. 
and as soon as you start in, you can start communicating within 24 hours. They assign you to someone that would be the best fit for you. But it doesn't mean you have to stick with them. If you work with them and they don't work out for you, you can choose someone else. Another benefit of this service is that they cater to your needs. And so I highly recommend it. I want you to go to betterhelp.com forward slash brain and use the promo code brain to get 10% off your first month. It's a truly affordable option. It's secure, convenient, professional, and definitely affordable. Get started today, betterhelp.com forward slash brain. Simply fill out the questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. Welcome back. Like I said, I'm going to read you a couple emails and we're going to try on their challenges. We're going to try on what it would be like if we were in that position and what would we do according to our own values, according to our own standards, our own beliefs, our own sense of character, integrity, and who we want to be, who we want to continue being, our deepest level of authenticity what would we do? And your answer might be, what would I really want to do instead of what would I really do? That happens a lot. We can have this thought of, well, this is what I'd really do. And uh, if you've heard me ask this before, what would I do if there were no fear of the consequences? That's a great question to ask yourself in any decision-making process. What would I do if there were no fear of the consequences? Or what would I do if there were no consequences? What would I do if I had no problem dealing with the consequences? What would I do if that person decided to answer differently than they normally do? You know, these, all these questions that help us get to our uh, truths inside, our deeper level truths that help us make decisions that are right for us. And so that's what I want to do with this segment here is help you help someone else virtually in a way that helps you think about situations and when you help others, you help yourself. It's like in the last segment, I talked about when you are a teacher, you teach yourself, you learn. And so that's why it's kind of neat to be some sort of people helper. I'm not saying you have to be a coach or a therapist or anything like that. Uh, And if you are, this is probably something you do already, but when you want to help someone else through something or teach them something new. It's so helpful to just sit in their shoes. And if you can tell what they're going through and what their life is like and what they experience every time they go through this, then it helps you get out of your own head. And it also helps you understand a better way to teach it. And so this has an empathetic element. It has an element of being in first person from their perspective And when you can do that, boy, you can really pull out some deeper level, even unconscious knowledge that maybe you didn't think you had. So let's try this. I'm going to start with the first email. Here we go. And I haven't really thought about these myself. I just um, briefed through them and I wanted to read them on the air and kind of do them with you. First one says, uh, let me see. I have a dilemma that I was hoping you may have some advice about. My mother has tendencies of borderline personality disorder and narcissistic personality disorder. I moved many states away from her a few years ago, but I would typically return to visit her on holidays. However, since I have been learning about myself and trying to stand up for myself, I have lost touch with her. I don't have any hard feelings toward her, but she seems to have them toward me. Either way, I'm having trepidation whether I should return to visit for the holidays. Uh, I have other family members and friends that I want to see in that state. However, I'm afraid that my mom, being who she is, will make a big deal about the changes I've made to my self-esteem since I am not the person she used to emotionally abuse anymore. I have grown a lot, but I am also worried that if I return, the old unhealthy patterns may repeat because I still have a soft spot with her since she's my mother. Sorry, I know this is kind of long. Any suggestions? Okay, so here's where I ask you, what's the first thing you want to say to this person? And you might have to pause and think about what you want to say. But when you think about what you want to say to her or what you want to tell her to do or any type of suggestion, imagine you are her. Because what might happen while you're thinking of an answer, or at least somebody out there is going to say this, what might happen is it doesn't matter if she's your mother. 
If she's mistreating you, you should stay as far away as possible. That is the knee-jerk response. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that is the knee-jerk response from someone that might have a different experience that may not have a soft spot for their mother, or if they do, they wouldn't have it if their mother was emotionally abusing them. But I want you to be aware of the knee-jerk responses that you might come up with. Because that is a knee-jerk response where you say, well, you should just stay away from her. It doesn't matter. If she's emotionally abusing you, you should stay away. And for someone in this person's space where she is in her head and in her heart, she is probably not prepared to hear that and stop seeing her mom. And, and clearly, she says that in the letter. She knows there have been issues, but she also knows that she has a soft spot because her mom's there. So how do we approach that? Well, put yourself in that space that you really care about someone. Put yourself in that space. I really care about this person. Don't even worry about the rest of this letter. Just think of someone you really care about and that you can't imagine your life without. You can't imagine your life without this person. And now add the element that they started emotionally abusing you. They were being verbally abusive or they were making you feel guilty or making you feel bad about yourself and you felt like you can't do anything right. So all this love and care that you have for this person is now being challenged by this emotional abuse. And so what do you do? Do you just say, well, I can't handle this. I'm going to leave. Or are you still kind of attached because you have this care and you have this love toward them and you know they're capable of more, but now they're treating you this way. And so this is where I go. It's like, okay, how, how can I help someone who writes to me and says, I, I really care about this person who's emotionally abusing me. And I won't lie. My knee jerk reaction is I don't care if she's your mother. <laughs> if she's emotionally abusing you, you need to get away from her. That's my knee-jerk reaction. Of course, I'm not going to give that advice. I'm not, I'm not going to say that's what she needs to do because I really have to empathize. I really have to put myself in her shoes and have this care inside of me and maybe this love that I have toward my mom, even if it's an unhealthy feeling. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, it might not be healthy for me to love someone that's abusing me. There's an unhealthy element in there for sure. But... She's my mom. She's the only mom I have. So now I'm connecting in a way. And so I'm in this space. And now while I'm in this space, I am thinking about her question. She says, I've grown a lot, but I'm afraid that because she is who she is, she'll make a big deal about the changes I have made to my self-esteem. So where is the first place you go with that? Now that you have this love and this care and this connection for someone, whether it's healthy or safe or whatever, and you have the thought of visiting them again, and you made a lot of changes in your life, and you've increased your self-esteem, and you feel worthy inside yourself, you feel valuable, you know you're valuable, you know that's going to be chipped away at when you visit this person, what comes to mind now? Again, pause if you have to, and you may have the same answer. If your answer was, well, you should not see her because you're worth more than that. That's my knee-jerk reaction, and it could be the right answer. I'm not saying a knee-jerk reaction isn't the right answer. I'm saying to help you connect with someone, to help you understand their situation, it's helpful to not go by the first reaction that you have. And yes, this applies to you as well. Unless you know yourself so well that you don't mind doing that. But some people are still learning about themselves. Like, I would look at this person and say, you know, you have increased your self-esteem and you're also trying to stand up for yourself in other areas of life. So the picture I get from you is that you are working on yourself and it's a continuous process and you're always trying to improve yourself and that by visiting your mom, it's going to set you back a bit or a lot. You're going to feel, and this is my guess, you're going to feel like that child uh, that can't stand up for herself that will have to take and accept the abusive behavior from someone like that. So what I am getting from you, if I'm in your space, I'm thinking when I go back to my mom, I know she's going to say certain things 
that make me feel bad, that make me feel guilty, that hurt me. And so the first question I have for myself, being you, is what would I do with anyone else who did that in my life? That's a good question. Because if you accept the same behavior from other people, then it's not only about your mom. That's for sure. But if you don't accept that same behavior from other people, if you have no problem standing up to other people, then there's something else about your mom that is affecting you and causing you not to stand up for yourself. Which begs the question, I'm thinking about me being you here, how much am I willing to risk this relationship in order to stand up for myself and prove my own value? That's what comes to my mind. It isn't, uh, I should just stay away from this person. It is, however, the thought of what I'd be willing to sacrifice or compromise in order to keep the relationship. And so what I'm doing here, just in case you're following along, trying to help her with this challenge yourself, is that I'm trying to achieve her goal. Her goal is to keep her self-esteem, keep her uh, boundaries intact, and keep a relationship with her mom. And so I took you through this email to find out where you'd go with it. Because if somebody came up to you and says, I want A and B, are you willing to figure out how they can get both without losing either or giving up either? And the reason I ask that is because that can apply in your own life as well. Can I have A and B instead of just A or B or neither? So what she's asking for is can I keep my self-esteem? Can I stay in a place of power while I'm dealing with my mom? Because there are parts of this relationship that I want to keep. And knee-jerk is, no, keep all the toxic elements out of your life. But the thought-out response where you sit in her place is, well, I want to keep this relationship, so how can I find a balance? How can I find maybe a compromise? And where I like to go with this, and maybe this will help with your own thought process, is how does this line up or go against with my core values? How does it line up or go against what I want for myself? Because if I want for myself that I want to be around people that aren't trying to put me down or belittle me or make me feel bad or guilty, then she doesn't qualify for that. So how do I have my cake and eat it too? So being her, I'm thinking, okay, what I need to do is address the specific behavior when it happens in a way that helps me keep my power. And so my big picture is how do I keep my power? And the zoomed in details are when this happens, what do I do? And so what do you think? What do you think when you sit in her position, the person who wrote the email, and she's contemplating visiting her mom again and... Um, you're in that space thinking about visiting your mom who's emotionally abusive, but you still want a relationship with your mom. What would you do if emotionally abusive behavior came out? So your answer is going to reflect your values, your character, your personality, your attitude, your beliefs. Your response is going to be reflective of that. And if I told you that no matter what, you had to keep your mom in your life, what is your answer? Is it the same? Is it different? This is my challenge. <laughs> this is my challenge almost every day when I receive questions like this, when I'm talking to coaching clients, is that sometimes they want something that I know isn't necessarily healthy for them. They want to keep it. They could be in a, a marriage that is very unhealthy, but they can't leave. They can't get a divorce. There are reasons they have, and there are very good reasons. And so what I need to do is help someone keep their power and keep some toxic elements in their life. That's a big challenge. But where I almost always go is how do I protect me? How do I preserve me? How do I keep my power? So that no matter what happens in the world, you get to keep your sanity. And you don't have to pull your hair out as much. Because you actually have a set of values and standards and beliefs that you go by. That's your standards. That's your criteria for living. It's only when you go against that criteria that you start chipping away at who you are, your true self. And so if you're reading between the lines here, what I'm saying is that no matter what happens out in the world, if you follow your own path, 
people will either stay in your life or they won't. But it's not necessarily you kicking them out of your life or preventing them from coming into your life or avoiding them. It's you being you and letting the chips fall where they may. Because what can happen is that you can show up and honor yourself with love for others. If you've been listening a while, you've heard me say that before. You can honor yourself with love for others. And so that's really a deeper bottom line to this, is that how can I show up in someone else's life that I know can be toxic or hurtful to me and honor myself with love for them? You know, one of the responses I have when somebody shows up in my life like that is, this is what I'll accept and this is what I won't accept and I still love you. I feel good with that response. And I base a lot of my commentary on this show and my suggestions and advice to my clients with this same type of bottom line element. But I usually find out what their bottom line is. Uh, Their bottom line might be, I want to keep certain people in my life, but I don't want to tell them what my boundaries are because then it'll cause trouble. That could be their bottom line. It could be your bottom line. And that really has nothing to do with the other person, but inside you, because honoring your boundaries might mean causing a consequence that you don't want, which still comes back to you of handling a consequence that maybe you don't know how to handle. So if you honor yourself and say, hey, look, that's unacceptable. I'm going to get out of your life or you need to, you need to get out of my house. That might cause a consequence that they find unacceptable and create trouble that you don't want to deal with or don't know how to deal with. And because of that, it creates more calamity in your life and you don't want to deal with that. And then it goes on and on like a domino effect and you don't really have a solution for it. But if you remember, if you lose your power because of someone else, because you allowed them to get in and under your skin and through your defenses, what ends up happening is you show up in a weakened state, a weaker state, a more vulnerable space that you are more open to attack if it's an attacking person. And once that happens and you can't stand your ground anymore, then you're back to square one. You're back to who you were before you improved, before you learned about boundaries, before anything that helped you be the stronger person you are today or working on being the stronger person that you want to be. And everything you've learned doesn't matter because they got you in that weakened state. That's why it's important to figure out what your bottom line is. So with the person who wrote this email, what's her bottom line? Her bottom line is, I want to keep my self-esteem. I want to keep my self-worth. I also want to keep some semblance of a relationship with my mom. Where I go with that is, okay, so you want to keep all of this and this relationship with your mom. Here's what you do. Don't put the choice of the relationship on you. Put the choice of the relationship on her and show up as who you want to be as much as you can, and then have her make the choice of having a relationship with you or not. This could be tough as well, but I'm putting myself in her position. And if I was in that space, then I would show up with my mom. And when she started pulling some shenanigans, I would stand my ground saying, Hey mom, that's not acceptable behavior. I don't like when you try to make me feel bad about myself. And I love you and I want to have a good relationship with you. So I'm going to ask that you please don't do that. This is honoring myself with love for others. I don't want that in my life and I want to have a great relationship with you. Could you please not, you know, say those things uh, because it hurts me. And this is where you put the decision of having a relationship on the other person. If they really want the relationship with you, they have to respect you. They have to value what you value, at least value you valuing yourself because if they can't even meet you there, If they don't even care about what you care about and they know they're hurting you and they know that you have a problem with them hurting you where everything is very clear to them and they don't change and they get upset with you for wanting something like that for yourself, then this is the point where the knee-jerk reaction might be right. The knee-jerk reaction of, you need to get away from this person. She's too toxic. You might have to because... My question to you is, if you value yourself that much, why would you expose yourself to someone who knows they're hurting you and doesn't care? Why would you do it? I wouldn't do it 
You know, I'm trying this on, trying to look at it in first person as you. And I'm thinking to myself, hey, I've just learned all this stuff. I have higher self-worth, higher self-esteem. I'm standing up for myself. This is what I want for my life. And so when I'm around others that I love and I assume love me and care about me and want to support me, they're going to see that that makes me happiest and they're going to support that path for me. It doesn't mean they have to support everything I do. It doesn't mean they have to agree with everything that I'm doing for myself. It just means that when they know that what I've done for myself is important to me and they're trying to take that away from me, they're trying to take my power away from me, then I need to make bigger, harder decisions that work for me and work for them. Because if they are hurting me, then clearly there's something about me that causes them stress or grief or strife and I need to get away from them. I might just need to get away from them Because if I'm causing them in some way as some sort of trigger for them to react so negatively toward me, then not only am I protecting myself and preserving my self-worth by moving away from that person, but I'm also helping them by keeping stress and strife out of their life. And that may sound a little odd. That may sound like a little bit of an easy way out, but it's not. This is a very difficult decision. Because by placing the responsibility on them to want to keep the relationship or not, by following the criteria that you set out, you've given them more leeway than maybe they deserved. You've given them the golden opportunity to have a great relationship with you. And if they choose not to and they want to continue hurting you, then that is their choice. And as tough as a pill that may be to swallow for you, it's still the one that they are administering. It is still their decision. And so even if you have to end a relationship like that, you still end it with love. You still say, you know what? I love you. I want to have a relationship with you. But if you know you're hurting me and you don't want to stop, then I can't be around you. So when you're ready, when you're ready to have a healthy, normal relationship where you care about me and you want to see me happy and you don't want to tell me what to do, you don't want to control me, then I want to have that type of relationship. But if you're not there yet, that's okay. So now we're still giving the other person more choices than maybe they would have had had we just had this knee-jerk reaction. That's okay. You can be in that space if you really feel like putting me down, if you really feel like insulting me, that is your thing and I'm okay with it. I love you, but I can't be around while you do that. If you don't want to do that behavior anymore, then I'm wide open to a relationship because you're my mom and I want to have a relationship with you. And you can even ask, are you willing to try? It's very helpful to at least ask something like that. Are you willing to at least try? And if it comes back and she's saying, you're the one that's the problem here, you're the one doing all this, then there's really not much you can do. If the other person's going to continue pointing the finger at you and you're trying really hard and you want to love and all they want to do is point the blame and tell you what you're doing wrong or how bad you are, then in order to preserve yourself, you do need to walk away with love for them. So when dealing with your own stuff that comes up, it's great to step outside yourself to get out of the knee-jerk response and then step inside yourself again as if you were role-playing yourself. A little strange, but it's an interesting phenomenon to ask yourself, what would I do in that situation? So even in your own situations, you can do this, even in your own challenges. But it's also helpful for other people as well. And so I want to thank you for joining me today. I told you I had two emails. When we come back, I'm going to say my goodbyes and my thank yous. And then end the show with that last email and see where we can get. We'll be right back after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to remind you to head over to betterhelp.com forward slash brain and use the promo code brain to get 10% off your first month of this amazing online counseling option. I also want to thank reviewers Zen Joanne Forma for me, uh, iPod Annie, Live Life Full 007 uh, for their amazing reviews of the show. Thank you so much. And I want to thank those to donate or subscribe to the membership site, the patron program, over at patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. 
If you find value in the show, you can send a donation over at patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com or you can subscribe to the membership area at the same website. And um, what you'll get are private episodes, private workbooks and worksheets, uh, discounts on my products and coaching and things like that. And it's a great way to give back. So thank you so much, patron members. Thank you so much to those who donate. I appreciate you, each and every one of you, because uh, that's how we keep going here. This is how things like this continue. It always requires some sort of funding. So I appreciate you. Thank you again. And I want to remind you, uh, we talked about difficult relationships on this episode. There is another podcast that I do called Love and Abuse, and that is associated with the Mean Workbook on Emotional Abuse and Manipulation. So if you are having any type of difficult relationship or want some pointers on how to deal with difficult times in your relationships, head over to loveandabuse.com. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in The Overwhelmed Brain. All right, like I said, I'm going to read you one more email and we'll see what we can come up with. Um, I briefed through this, so this is a pretty interesting one. Let's see what it says. Uh, I am struggling with a relationship. My best friend, who is a lesbian, recently moved to my state with her children. She and I have developed a friendship where we both viewed each other as each's best friend. After she moved here, I became sick. I was struggling and my best friend came over to support me. But when she left, in fear, I told her that I loved her. In fact, I said I loved her as no other. That was said in a way that was not friendship nor romantic. It was said in fear, and because I was scared, I may not get another chance. I think he means uh, scared of dying. That was it. She never came back. She texted a terse message a few days after and said one thing she was struggling with was that I had disrespected her as a lesbian. I feel abandoned, shunned, and in the dark as there has been no communication since. There are, of course, many other details, but I struggle with why someone who said she was my best friend would leave me at my worst and never even come back to talk about anything. I could use your help and insight as this is unbearable and is on top of the health crisis of which I am trying to recover and heal from. Okay, there is a unique situation. Thank you so much for writing the person who wrote this. And um, like I said in the last segment, what I want you to do is let's talk about the knee-jerk reaction first. And you may not have one in this one. This is a little different. But uh, if you have one, you know, bring it up, acknowledge it, and see what comes up for you. Uh, My knee-jerk reaction might... I don't even have a knee-jerk reaction for this one, actually. Uh, I'm thinking about this, and there's really nothing that comes directly to mind. Because this is more of a how-do-I-patch-things-up kind of thing. So that doesn't really pull out a knee-jerk reaction for me. So... That's the first place I go. Is that I, I, how do I patch things up? That doesn't pull out something immediate. So the next thing I'm going to do is ask, what is the bottom line? What does this person want? And so I look at all the facts. The person wants a relationship with his best friend who happens to be a lesbian. And because he said that he loves her, she took that as disrespecting her as a lesbian. And I don't know his true intent here. I don't know if he really did have feelings for her that were beyond a friendship level. He, I can only see what he told me here. But let's just say that his intentions weren't to have anything beyond their friendship and that he really was afraid of perhaps dying and that he said, you know, I love you. I, I really love you. But she still took it the wrong way. If we take it at face value of what he provided us here, then where do you go with that? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? If you have to pause this and think about it, go ahead. Again, I'm asking you to do this not because I'm going to hear you say what the answer is, but um, to help you with your own challenges that come up. And this is good when you hear a challenge of someone else and you ask yourself, well, what would I do? That's where you can start to visualize a path to a solution or some suggestion. So again, what's the first thing that comes to mind to have him do? For me, the first thing that comes to my mind, again, if this is all true, if he really didn't have any feelings beyond a platonic relationship with this person, is to contact her in some way, hopefully a phone call. But if you can't talk to her directly, she won't answer the phone or whatever. Um, Maybe text. I I really don't like doing heavy emotional stuff through text. But maybe a letter, like a handwritten letter, at minimum an email. But at most, a phone call for sure. 
Uh, but if you do contact her, you can say, hey, look, this is what happened. And I thought I was going to die. And I said, I love you. And I meant it. I do love you. You're my best friend. And I would say, I know you're a lesbian. I know there's no chance for us. That's not why I said it. That's where I go. And this is based on, again, face value of the data that he provided. <laughs> the reason I repeated based on what he said is because I have a little suspicion that it's not 100% correct. And this is kind of mean. I don't mean to be mean and I don't mean to put this person down. But something in the back of my mind is telling me that maybe if there was a chance, if she said, you know, I've been thinking, maybe I don't want to be fully lesbian, maybe I'm thinking about being bisexual, or maybe I'm thinking it doesn't matter who I date as long as they're a good person. I'm wondering if you had an opportunity to go out on a date with her and she was going to entertain that opportunity, would you date her? Because if the answer is maybe yes, then this is why I have the suspicion. This is why I am a little bit suspect of your intentions. Because I'm going to tell you this. A lot of people can tell the difference between, hey, I love you, man, and I love you so much. Or I'm in love with you. That's a totally different thing. But from what you said, a lot of people can tell the difference. And if you said it in a way that made her think that you might have feelings for her that she couldn't reciprocate, and she took it that way, then that's why you got that response. And I know you know that, but that's how she perceived it. At that moment, when you said that, she perceived it that way. And a lot of people are perceptive. I mean, I said this a long time ago in my early 20s. I told this girl that I worked with, you know what, I love you more than you'll ever know. And that wasn't true at all. <laughs> it wasn't, I didn't love her at all, actually. I liked her, and I was, to be honest, attracted to her. But I didn't love her. And after I said it, I was thinking, why did I say that? That's not what I meant. I meant something else. I meant like, I can't stop thinking about you. I meant, you know, other things. But I love you? That, where did that come from? And I said, I love you more than you'll ever know. That's like, what? And after that, she started treating me differently. Just the same thing you're going through. Again, I was very young. I was a 21-year-old with a 16-year-old brain. So I didn't really have too much experience with relationships, but she completely tried to avoid me from that point on. And there was nothing I could do ever. I think she probably still feels that way today ever to change that relationship and to tell her, look, I really didn't mean that. I didn't really mean, didn't mean that I loved you. I meant something else. I meant that I was highly attracted to you. I was very charged by her presence and it made me say stupid things. And that's what I did. So I can relate. You know, I'm, I'm being you. This is how I can relate it to my life. This is what I like to do is how can I relate something in your life to my life? And in that situation, that's how I can relate. And in my situation, I couldn't resolve it. There was no getting beyond it. Once she believed that I had those feelings for her, there was no way around it. There was no way through it. There was no way out of it. And so what can you do? This is the question, right? What can I do? I want to fix this or mend this relationship. First, be honest with yourself. If you had a chance to date her, would you? That doesn't mean you really love her and you're in love with her. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just asking you. Because if that's in there and you had the chance, then that comes out in your conversations. That comes out in your words. That comes out in your mannerisms. That, that just finds a way to come out. So if you're carrying that around... Maybe she's detecting some truth about that. And quite frankly, maybe she's detected it for a little while, but she's been kind of denying it, thinking that can't be true because he knows I'm a lesbian. So that's another component of this that is that she may have already had those thoughts that you thought that way about her. And if that's the case, then you probably were already showing it in some ways. But even if you said, yes, of course I would date her because she's a wonderful person, that doesn't necessarily mean you would say, I love you, and mean that you mean more than just platonic love. So I'm not trying to paint you in a corner or say that because you want to date her, then what you're saying in your letter is not true. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that it can come out in your mannerisms if you have any feelings more than what she believes you have. And so acknowledging that in yourself, understanding that, can help you be more not only honest with yourself, but honest with her. 
You can even say that to her. You know, if I was going to try to patch things up, you can just say the truth. Look, I started having feelings for you. I thought I was falling in love with you, if that's what you feel, or I was starting to have deeper feelings. And then when I said it, I realized, what am I thinking? You can actually say this to her. I, I thought, what was I thinking? That's stupid because I know you're a lesbian. I know there's no chance. And for me to go there was inappropriate and disrespectful. You are absolutely right. That kind of response comes from my core values. Me pretending to be you in this moment. I'm going to access my core values. I'm just going to tell the truth. This is my truth. This is what happened. And then again, I'm handing over the choice to that person. I'm giving them the power to make the choice about this relationship. There's that bottom line thing. I'm going to let her make a choice about this relationship. And so you tell the truth. Yes, I did feel that way. Or if you didn't feel that way, let's just say that you had no intention of dating her and it absolutely was just her misunderstanding. It's still the same thing. You hand over the opportunity to mend the relationship or have the relationship that you want to have, best friends, back to her. But make sure it's a truth that resonates with you, inside you. It has to be 100% inside you because that's how it's going to come out to her. Because let's just say that when you said you loved her, it was completely platonic. Then you can say, look, this is how I feel. I do love you. You're my best friend. And I don't want to have anything more than that. I know you're a lesbian. Of course I don't want that. And I totally respect you. I even encourage you to have wonderful relationships with other women or whatever. I know it sounded like a deeper comment, but all it was was coming from a place of fear. And I just want to let you know that I still respect your decision to not be in touch with me because I didn't convey it in a way that felt safe to you or you felt didn't respect you. And so I want to let you know that I completely understand that you had to distance yourself from me and I will not bother you again, but please know it hurts that you're no longer my best friend. And I'm definitely not trying to disrespect you as a lesbian and I want you to know that I support your lifestyle. I support your choices. Again, I apologize. I said I love you when I thought I was going to die, but it wasn't because of the reasons that you thought. And then you let it go. You say, that's all I have to say. I, if, if you never talk to me again, I understand as your best friend, I support your decision and I completely understand. I just hope someday you see that it wasn't what you thought it was. I do love you. I do care about you. And I do hope that we connect again and just let it go. This is where you let it go and leave her be and she can make the decision. She has the opportunity to change things or not. And that's all you can do. You know, in a situation like that, I believe that's all you can do. Because otherwise, what you're doing is trying to convince, trying to change the reality that she has in her head, which is very difficult. You really can't change someone else's reality. So all you can do is present them with the reality you know to be true, and they're either going to accept it or reject it. If she doesn't want to accept it, that's her choice. And as a best friend, you support her choices. That's tough because you lose out on someone that you really care about. But in the end, it really does come down to supporting someone else's choices for themselves. Now, I will say this in closing is if you don't have someone else in your life and you don't seek someone else in your life, it may look a little bit more suspicious to her. So if you are not seeking or dating someone else in your life and she's the one that you always come to and share your stuff with, that might be part of the buildup in her that when you said that you loved her, she put all the pieces together and she's like, oh, this guy never dates anyone. So maybe he really does love me and that worries me and that's disrespectful to me. So I got to get away because if that's happening, she doesn't see you dating anyone else that can create suspicion in her as well, or at least add up to the suspicion and um, cause a problem. So maybe actively seeking someone else to connect with so that um, she's not the only source of an intimate relationship of any sort. And also talking about your other relationships, talking about the time you spend with other people, letting her know. I mean, if you ever connect with her again, letting her know that you found someone wonderful and Again, I just want to let you know that uh, I do love you as a friend and I'm also in a relationship and I really care about this person. Then maybe it'll start to make her feel safer around you again because you're no longer single. That means you're no longer a quote threat. Not that you are, but 
she doesn't want to have to feel unsafe around you. And obviously she doesn't feel safe. So she, this is why she's separated. So I gave you a little bit of how my brain works. And if you were following along, trying to figure out what you can tell this person to do, uh, it would be interesting if you have an alternate thought to that about what I said, write to me, write to Paul at the overwhelmed brain and reference episode number three, three, five and say, Hey, you know, when you talked about that guy who had a lesbian friend and that happened, my thought would be for him to do whatever, whatever your thoughts are. And if I get enough responses, I'll uh, create another episode on it. So that's my thought. And I hope it helps you with your own challenges in your life. Um, trying to think about your bottom line, your core values, and what you would do in someone else's situation helps you get out of your own head in your own situations. And then getting back into your own head uh, without so much the emotional attachment to the outcome, but more of how can I get through this challenge and keep my integrity intact. I think that's a great way to look at life. It's a nice outlook. And if you're having trouble keeping that outlook, just keep an open mind so that you can step into your power. This will help you be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details